Overhead kick, and what a goal it was! Stewart makes it 1-1. And it is a gorgeous little chip. This could well be the moment. Yeah. It is the moment. Welcome to the second episode of Kickoff, the Football New South Wales podcast and the official podcast of the NPL New South Wales and Football New South Wales League's competitions. My name is Teo Pelizzeri. I'm one of the commentators for NPL New South Wales and the NPL action this season. And I'm delighted to be joined by a new co-host for this episode, another of our young talent that is running Match Day Socials. You might have seen her on Match of the Round already this season, Henley Warner. Henley, great to have you as my co-host today. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. So, yeah, I am the face of female match of the round on your Instagram story. So you might see me covering a few matches, you know, out in the cold night sometimes. But um, along with that, I also work with UNSWFC and do their female media. So it's very now, exciting there. Tell us about uh, University of New South Wales, because they're not in the top division. So no. not all of our listeners will, will know about them. But tell us about that team and also what they are up to this season. Well, the girls are going very well, I have to say. Both of our women's teams got our under 20s and first grades. They are going and like, you know, absolute flying colours, doing so well. First grades at the top. We've got our 20s second. Our girls youth is also doing very well. Again, our men's, their league, top the table. So we're really smashing it. Very proud to say that. Um, we've got a few exciting things coming up, a very major thing for our first grade, for our women's in particular. So keep your eyes and ears peeled, I guess. You'll see that on our socials in a few weeks. Very, very exciting things going on. So, yeah, couldn't be in a better spot, to be honest. Well, that's exciting to hear that you're coming from a winning team and hopefully you can uh, bring some of that winning culture to the podcast here today. Henley, let's get into what's on around football New South Wales. Bring us up to speed with some of the major events and initiatives that are taking place. All right. Well, let's just get straight to it. So Football New South Wales will be hosting the annual Nova Employment uh, Football for All Gala Day on Sunday, the 18th of June, right here at Valentine's Sports Park, which is very exciting. It was introduced back in 2008 and providing an annual celebration of football for participants of all abilities, which is so important to our sport. You know, one of Football New South Wales headline events each year, and it provides such a wonderful day, you know, for football, for people of all abilities, all players, clubs, families, all coming together to celebrate. We also have our NADOC Cup event coming up. Um, That's from the 3rd to the 5th of July, again, here at Valentine's. So it's a joint initiative with uh, Northern New South Wales football, and it basically just celebrates the history and the rich culture and achievements of all of our First Nations people within our game. And, you know, in 2023, this event has expanded majorly to include both the under-14s and 16s male and female rep teams, and will also be supported by the New South Wales government through the New South Wales Football Legacy Program. So it's so great to have them on board this year. For more information, though, about the event and the activities that can be found, um, you need to go to Football New South Wales website. That is the holy grail for all your info with this. But it's definitely an exciting month coming up. I cannot wait to see these events pan out. So just on all abilities, it's always uh, heartwarming to see how the game can be modified and changed to accommodate for people uh, of different abilities and also the improvisation and the joy it can bring to mm, people. Absolutely. You know, because it, it doesn't matter you know, if you have a disability, if you're you know, physically not able mm. to play conventional full-field football, there are modifications that can be made and really it, it's about sharing the joy of the game with people uh, and as many people as possible. Well, I also think also with this event, like I believe that representation is such an important key with our sport and this event is a step in the right direction of letting people know that there are avenues you can take. If you have a disability, that does not stop you. You know, you have the ability to do it. So you just keep going and there are avenues in which you can pursue to still enjoy the sport that we all love. And there is an NPL link to the NIDOC Cup. One of our guests coming up on kickoff today, Jack Stewart, will be talking to us more about that. Henley, let's get into the moment of the month. I have mine from uh, the New South Wales NPL, but I would Mm -hmm. like to hear yours first. What have you got for me as your moment of the month? So I've got one for both men and women's. So I have to say I saw an absolute ripper of a goal by Aidan Hammond from Central Coast Mariners. First goal of um, his NPL, like first goal for his NPL men's career. And it wasn't just the only one he scored of the match. He did two and it was absolutely beautiful and contributed to a 4-2 win over Bulls FC Academy. So I thought that was a pretty stellar performance by him. 
But then for the women's, I had the honour of going to the female, like to kick off female football week, go to uh, MacArthur Rams versus Bulls FC Academy. And the 4-1 win there for MacArthur Rams was beautiful, such great gameplay, the atmosphere, the crowds that came out. It was such a great event to kick off such an important week with Female Football Week. So they were my two highlights of the month, I have to say. But what were yours? Uh, I'm just going to choose the one. Um, Now, we love families in football. Mm -hmm. It's an achievement to have... Uh, you know, an elite level player emerge out of a family. Absolutely, but it's an even better one to have more than one. And Who I've been com- I've been commentating St George City in recent weeks, mm-hmm. and uh, in the last two games I've done both Costa Petrados and Mackie Petrados have scored goals. But uh, in the A League, I have commentated Dimi Petrados scoring goals. In the W League, Paniota Petrados, her oh only gosh. goal. Uh, I was behind the microphone for. So four of the siblings, <laughs> I have commentated goals. I just need one more. I've got the ace, the queen, the king, the jack, and I just need one more for the royal flush of the Petrados family. So if there are any more siblings playing out there, I just need to commentate one more family member and I've got a, a full house. I want to so. know what their parents feed them for breakfast. Well, well There must be something. It's secret, I reckon. It's, pheno- <laughs> it's phenomenal to have um, so many high-level players coming out of the one family. So congratulations to the Petrados brothers that are at St George City at the moment and they are having a great season in the top division of New South Wales NPL men's. So let's go to our guests. Our guest from New South Wales Women's NPL this week is Claudia Chalakian of the Northern Tigers. Now, Claudia, great to have you on. Maybe not under the best circumstances after the uh, the most recent game, but your team's still having a, a reasonable season. How do we find you this week? Yeah, no, really great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, like you said, obviously, um, not the best timing, but I think Look, that's okay. RP are a great team. They're obviously undefeated for a reason. So uh, obviously we did go into that game with intention to win and, and to play well, but I think we weren't 100% at our best. And I think when you're coming up against top of the table, if you want to win those kind of games, you do need to be at, at your best. So yeah, it has been it has been a good start to the season. I think I think in the last few games we have uh, dropped off a little bit, but I think that's quite normal. I think no team goes through the whole season uh, without a drop of form. Uh, so I think we're aware of that, and that's the most important thing. And we're all really rallying together to make sure that we start getting our our form back. Now, at the time of chatting, we're about to hit the halfway point of the season. It's a real logjam of teams, and you get punished so much for a bad result, but you also get huge benefits and can leap up the table just from two wins in a row, or even one win on any given weekend can totally reshape the ladder. So how have you found it this season? Are you the type of player that looks at the ladder and keeps a close eye on it every week, or when you're in the mid-season grind getting into winter, is it really just about the next game in front of you rather than worrying too much about the big picture? Yeah, that's interesting. I think for me, I obviously do keep an eye on the ladder. I always want to make sure that we're at the the top end of the table. That is the goal at the end of the day. But I think it's all about focusing on the game and playing well and getting the three points, right? Because then you know what's going to happen in the ladder, right? Especially when it's so close. And that really is the beauty of the MPL competition uh, that you can't just come into a game and, oh, right, we're playing, you know, bottom of the table, easy win, don't even need to try. It's, it's never like that. And if you go into a game like that, you, you're going to end up in trouble. So um, it's, yeah, it's definitely about focusing on, on the game ahead, getting three points, uh, but also knowing that, if, if you don't, you, you slip off a little bit, or like I said, you're not at 100%, that it, it absolutely does drop you down the ladder very quickly. Um, but I guess the good news is, you know, we've got a game in hand against Olympic, which is great. Uh, we've got a game coming up this weekend. Uh, and look, we're focusing on getting all three points from both of those games. And we know that that'll get us back uh, where we should be on the table. Now, Claudia, you have had quite an impressive career as far when it comes to national representation. You know, every young player, it's their dream to represent their country. And you did that for Armenia. But can you describe to us, you know, how this opportunity came about to represent Armenia? Yeah, it's it's been such an amazing experience and such an honour. And it's interesting that you ask how that came about because I didn't it didn't even cross my mind really to represent you know Armenia in the national team like it sounds silly but you just focus on what you're doing in in your club and you just do your best and I guess people then come and approach you when those things are happening so that's essentially what happened I was um, playing with Sydney FC at the time and they saw my name and I think 
you know, when uh, Armenians, your, your last name normally ends in I-N or Y-N, so it was a bit of a yeah. <laughs> bit of a giveaway. So they did, they reached out to me, you know, confirmed that I was Armenian and they invited me to come for, for a trial and I guess the, the rest has kind of gone from there. So um, it's... It's something that obviously shocked me when I uh, received the the initial message, but it, it was amazing, um, and I'm so glad that I've I've got gone ahead with that opportunity because it has been great and something that I never thought I would do. So uh, it, it's definitely a real a real honour. And you know, you've played in England, you've played in Sydney FC, you're now with the Tigers. Is obviously with playing with such high level teams, you have gained a lot of experience and knowledge from you know this myriad of um, different clubs you can play for. Is there any particular aspect, in pat- particular aspect that you could bring to the girls at Tigers and relay onto them, like any knowledge or advice for them? Do you reckon? Yeah, it's a great question. I think one of the things that I've learned, I think that especially in the way that we play, um, you know, at the moment and the way I guess the mindset is here, it feels like you have to be your best at such a young age. And I think what I've found is that I'm always learning. There's never a point where I'm like, oh, I am at the best I can be and that's it. I, I, It's all about going and keep on doing that. Like, of course, I want to keep doing what I'm doing, but I'm always looking to improve my game. And I think being aware of that and making sure that you are trying to learn and improve is so important. Doesn't matter what age you are, because you know I only you know was recently called up for the national team. You know, two years ago at that time I was twenty four, right? And I think it. I, d- I don't ever want anyone to be told you know you're you're too old to do this or you know you're, you're not if your time's passed because I I don't think that's that's right at all. I think um, if you're playing at your best and you're constantly trying to improve, which is you know what I encourage you know the girls at Tigers or anyone that I play with to do, then you can achieve anything that you put your mind to. So that's definitely something I want to pass on um, to the players that I work with. Well, the NPL has uh, such a close relationship with the A-League women's at the moment with the players being handed back and forth. Is that still the goal for you? Because obviously the competition's expanding to bring in Central Coast next season, so you assume it's going to open up uh, gaps across the competition. Is it something that just life and work is in the way of that maybe you can't commit to taking that next step up? Or is it always still the goal that if the call comes or you find the right situation, be it a trial or a coach that wants you to go to uh, the A-League Women's again, you'll say yes and you'll do it? Yeah, look, absolutely. I never give up on on my goals or my dreams um, at all. And I think playing A-League women's would be an amazing opportunity that I would say yes to, absolutely. And I think it's great to know that my work does support me here. So, uh, you know, there are situations where some A-League clubs, you know, their trainings, you know, work better with, um, you know, nine to five working hours. Some don't, but my work does provide me that flexibility. So there's definitely no issue on that front. I think the issue, and I, uh, you know, I kind of spoke um, previously in an article about this, is that quite often, often the opportunities are given to you know younger players that come through the system or ones that have played previously in W League or overseas or whatever it is, and I think there really is that missing gap where there are brilliant players in the MPL who may be around my age or you know 24, 25, 26, and it's like okay, well, if you're not you, you know, if you were good enough, you would have been in W League by now or, you know, what, what's your experience? What's your pedigree? And I don't think that should be that the question that's asked. I think it should be what's on the pitch because, you know, and, and it really comes out when we see it. You know, you guys commentate, you see the games, you watch it. There are brilliant players that should be given these opportunities. So I think that really, I think that mindset needs to change. But you know, at the end of the day, like I said, if I'm given opportunity and a coach, you know, watches my game, sees me play and, and wants to sign me for an elite club, I will I will absolutely do that. <laughs> Your Northern Tigers team is such an interesting mix of players that kind of fall into the various categories, though, because you've got Caitlin Douglas, who was in the W League for five or six years, but has been out for two. Ash Brodigan, who's coming back from the W League, but is kind of in your demographic of player. But then Amelia Murray, who's in the Young Matildas and is on the way up. But then you've got someone like just, a you know, Beth Bernardi, Hannah McNulty, these players that go about their business. They're very honest players. I think, you know, like yourself, they could do a job in the A-League women's, but it's as much about opportunity and the right fit and the right situation as it is about, as you say, what's on the pitch. So it's an interesting mix, isn't it? And I'm sure you encounter that both in your team, but also your opponent's 
every week of the season. You know, last week you were playing against a Matilda in um, Holly McNamara, and next week you might be playing against a kid who's on the rise and is about to announce themselves to the competition. Yeah, absolutely. And look, that is the beauty of the MPL. I think quite often the conversation that's had before the season is, you know, oh, how many W League players are you, you going to have in your squad? And and for me, I, I never really ask that question because I don't judge a player's ability based on that, to be honest. I, I see the way they play over previous seasons. And, you know, as you mentioned, you know, the likes of Beth and Hannah, like I know they're quality, right? So it's really irrelevant to me if they've played W League or not. I'm like, great playing with them, you know, they're, they're great players. Um, and you even have, you know, some young ones coming up at Tigers and there's opportunities for them. I know Olivia Cartwright, she's had a few chances um, in the first grade team and she's done a brilliant job. Uh, and it's it's great to see that there is those opportunities. Um, so, look, look, it's amazing to play against players like, you know, Holly McNamara. We, you saw her quality um, this weekend when we played them. She's a brilliant player. But like you said, there are other players out there that you, have, you know, may not have even heard their names, but to underestimate underestimate them when you're coming up against them on on weekends even if you don't know them is is a big mistake in the MPL because I don't I don't think it's about labels at all I think it's what's what's put out there on that pitch um really speaks to me the most now Claudia maintaining a work-life balance is so important for all of the female athletes we have within this sport and for you you work as a sustainability coordinator at Fraser Property you know outside of football how do you maintain that balance and ensure, you know, the perfect harmony between both work and football? How do you juggle it? Because I can imagine it can be quite a struggle at times with training and then game days and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's hard because I absolutely love my job at Fraser's and I absolutely love football and I know there's times where I'm at work and I'm like, oh, crap, like I've got to go to training now. And I, it's hard to pull away because I'm really invested in what I do and I – I do it because I love it. It's not something I do because, you know, it, it pays the bills. Like obviously it does that too, but I do it because I love it. And and I think what kind of keeps me in check and the way that I balance is that for me, again, football isn't a job or something that I do, you know, um, as as um, that extra um, kind of activity. It's, it's something that I love and it's something that I kind of pair, you know, with socialising as well because obviously I'm with my team and I don't want to be part of a team that I don't like people there. So obviously when I'm going to training, it's, it's enjoyable. I'm seeing my friends. So I think the way that it works for me is that it's a break from sitting at a desk all day doing quite difficult mental work and then going and doing difficult physical work and so it's a good it's two completely different things and and that's why I do love that balance um because it 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 creates that healthy lifestyle for me and I absolutely love every part of what I do both at Fraser's and um at Tigers as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you're not the only soccer superstar within your family either. Your brother, Brendan, is now in the MPL men's competition with Rockdale. What was it like growing up in such a football infatuated family? And, you know, can you tell some of the highlights of growing up, you know, with your brother both playing football? Yeah, yeah, it's the best. My um, my brother's definitely been an inspiration uh, for me. He's, he's four years older than me and I remember just at a young age I, Everything that I did had to be what my brother did. Uh, <laughs> I actually remember um, the the best Christmas present I received was like a hand-me-down uh, football jersey for my brother. I was just that obsessed with whatever he did. I wanted to make sure I, I did it as well. So I think that's that's why I obviously went down this path and I continued along with it because, because I do love football as well. So it's, yeah, it's definitely a massive part of my family like every every morning on a weekend we we get up and we watch the English Premier League together um so it's really ingrained in in what we do and and you know my mum and dad as well a massive part of both of our footballing careers they've given up you know so much um to improve us as players and to you know to train with us make us better and um you know my even you know my dad spent two years with my brother in England when he was playing for Liverpool Academy there like like that's not when you were as a kid you don't think you don't think about how hard that is but that's it's massive it's a massive sacrifice so yeah really grateful for both you know my parents and also my brother and our, and our whole family for really being there for both both me and my brother for pursuing um, our footballing dreams 
Now, Claudia, as part of this chat, we're going to announce the New South Wales Women's uh, Players of the Month for May. Unfortunately, none of your teammates are the winners. So when I uh, give you the names, I just want you to give me your first impression of what they are like to play against as opponents. Uh, we're reaching the halfway point of the season, but you uh, you would have played against all these players in previous years as well, uh, regardless of what teams they were on at the time. So goalkeeper of the month is Morgan Aquino from Arpia. What's she like as an opponent? Yeah, Morgan is, I mean, <laughs> the game that sticks out to me the most is obviously the grand final last year. It was I was, I was shocked. I was like, who, who is this? I obviously knew it was Morgan, but she was just amazing. And I, I just, I remember watching that game being like, wow, this girl's going to go places if she keeps that up. So obviously an amazing goalkeeper, you know, sad that she's not at, at Tigers this year as well. Obviously we've got Sarah who's fantastic as well. So, you know, no dramas there, but she, yeah, she's a great goalkeeper. Obviously I wish she wasn't as great on the weekend when we played, when you played against them, but that's all right. I'll let it slide. Now the defender of the month, uh, someone who I have no doubt you will have had some history playing against, a uh, very tough competitor, Phoebe Gilbane from Manly United. Oh, good old Phoebe. I love Phoebe. I think this is a prime example of someone who deserves to be playing A-League women's, but again, fortunately, hasn't come through the system, you know, isn't, you know, 18 years of age. I, I, I've, I've seen her in the, the team of the week the last few weeks and I'm like, you know, I'm so glad she's getting recognition and I hope that goes further for her because she's such a gritty defender really hard to play against. She will give a hundred percent. Um, and yeah, I hope, I hope she goes further with her career as well. Cause she does deserve it. Now midfielder of the month, a, a player who I think in style, not too dissimilar to you, actually, Melissa Caceres from the MacArthur Rams. Yeah, she's, her technical abilities is unbelievable. I don't, I probably don't think I've played against anyone with that technical ability. She, yeah, she's a really amazing player. One of the things that I've noticed, uh, I know she was very good at futsal because I, I played against her when I was younger. I think what has made her such a great outdoor player is that she's learned to take those skills but adapt it to the outdoor game. Whereas I, I've seen futsal players in the past, they, you know, naturally you've got so many touches on the ball, you've got a lot of skill. You try and take on three, four players, you're eventually going to lose it, right? But I think she's really mastered the skill of knowing when to take players on but then when also when to pass the ball. I think that's why she's got as far as she has. And uh, forward of the month will come as no shock um, because she's one of the best players in the country, Holly McNamara. I mean, <laughs> what's it What's it like? How much time did you coach spend game prepping for Holly Mac versus the rest of the Arpia team last weekend? Look, I think, to be honest, we knew Arpia as a unit is quite strong. So I think as much as we were like, look, Holly's amazing, it was like we can't just put all our eggs in one basket and, and focus on it. There are other quality players. So unfortunately, when you're playing against Arpia, you can't just think, you know, mark one player out of the game and then that's it. They've got no threat. So um, we're definitely aware of it, um, but we're conscious that they have strong players. But I think... Playing against Holly on the weekend, like I think I just – it just reminded me because obviously she was out with an injury. I was like, this girl is so good. Like her speed, her strength, she's so direct with the ball. She knows what she wants to do with it. She's a great player and I'm glad she's really recovered from her injury and she's really picked up from where she left off. So that's great to see because that doesn't always happen. Sometimes injuries can really affect players and they don't come back. So I'm really glad that that's happened for her and, you know, no doubt that she will continue um, going a long way with football for sure. Now, Claudia, we have some quick questions we'd love to ask you if you're ready for a little, like, 60-second rapid fire as such. Okay. All right. You ready? Yeah. Okay. So who do you reckon is the most difficult player you've played against this season? Oh, this is rapid fire. I'm <laughs> already. Um, okay. I'm going to say Paul Cena from the weekend just because it's fresh in my mind. Yep. She's super direct with the ball um, and great with the feet. Beautiful, beautiful. And who do you think is the dark horse? Who do we have to watch out for this season? What team? You're the dark horse, I reckon. Yeah. Northern Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say not Northern Tigers because we have been, like, they've made the finals in the last three years. It's true. Three it's true. Years. You're too, so you're too good to be a dark horse. <laughs> I know. I feel like we've we've lost that that kind of title now. But, I, we're, like, the Ravens, like, what? Mm. They've just, they've definitely been a surprise packet. I think I think normally when a team gets promoted, you think, oh, like, you know, it'll take a while for them to adjust. But they've come flying out of the gates, which is great to see. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so are you an Arsenal or Chelsea supporter for the women's? 
Oh my God, Chelsea, of course. Good. I'm a Chelsea supporter, full stop. Good, good. <laughs> Glad to hear it. And who do you reckon is going to win our Women's World Cup this year? Oh, Australia. I'm not going to say any other team. That's just rude. Right answer, <laughs> right answer Sunshine. And what's your pre-game snack, pre-game meal for a good feed? What do we need? Oh, pre-game. Mm-hmm. Um, well, night before, definitely pasta because I love carbs. Yeah. Um, probably like lunchtime, I like something a little bit light. So I'm going to say sushi. Oh, my gosh. Good choice. I love that. I know. Sushi all the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. And out of you and your brother, who's got the best attacking game? <laughs> Obvious answer. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say me, but my brother's a very close second. I'll go with that. Good, good. And who do you reckon's the favorite child? Oh, depends. Oh God, I'm gonna say me as well. Sorry, Brendan. <laughs> I'm just. What am I gonna say? Like, I just. I know. I know what to say. I know what to do. Yeah, good, good. All right. And who do you reckon is a youth player at your club that we've got to you know keep an eye out for? Who's that up and comer? Oh, I mentioned her previously, Olivia Carwright. I don't even know how young she is. I think she's maybe like 17. Sorry if she hears this and it's wrong. But she is brilliant. Like she just, look, she obviously has things to improve on, absolutely. But at that age, I just couldn't think of anyone else that has the ability that she has. And I know that if she keeps working on her game, she will play A-League women's. So she's in such a good position and she's at such a good club to make that happen for her. So I'm excited for her. Absolutely. Now you're doing so well with this rapid fire. We've got one more to go. What is your favourite away ground to play at? Oh. Yeah, I know. A bit of a different one, hey? Jeez. (laughs) Um... I'm going to say Chroma Park because I'd played there for so long. So it kind of feels still a little bit like home and I'm so used to it. And everyone's like, oh, it's so big. And I'm like, oh, no, it's fine. So I think once you get used to a, a pitch like that, it's hard to go back. So I, The reason Chroma is the easy choice is they get great crowds. You always got a good crowd that at Chroma. Too, that too. And great facilities. So, yeah, it's very good quality. Claudia Chalakian, you've been uh, a great hang for us on Kickoff, the Football New South Wales podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for your insights and good luck for the rest of the season with the Northern Tigers. Thank you so much for having me. Let's go to our next guest now, and it's an NPL New South Wales men's player who is having a fantastic season, as is his club. It's Jack Stewart from RPL Leichhardt. Jack, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So Arpia are flying, having a great season. It must be a great club and a great environment to be around right now, especially given that most games, most weeks, you must walk out onto the pitch feeling like you're in a great position to win but also play your best. Yeah, it's been unbelievable. Um, like at the start of the season, we, we obviously set those goals of going undefeated and um, winning it all as this year's first of the post. But for, for how we have started and continue to drive through, it's just, I think it's given us more confidence that we can con- continue to push through. But yeah, it's a great place to be around. Like each training session, you just know, okay, this is working. Each game, you go, this is working. And it, the, the, the boys, we get along so well. So that helps a lot too. When you're having fun and you're winning, there's there's not much better than that. Before we get into a little bit more about you, I just wanted to ask about the team, though, because you've come in from Mount Druitt last season, where, again, you had a a great season, but in a team that wasn't winning most weeks, and now you're in a team where those expectations are there, that it's, you know, three points or you haven't delivered. So how much different are you finding that and that level of expectation and pressure that comes with being a title-chasing team? Yeah, it it is very different. I think my mindset is always, I always want to win, even though I drew it. We weren't winning. I still had that mentality of like, I want to win. And it, it hurt me so much not winning. I think it's actually made my life a little bit happier that like I'm, I'm, we're winning. So I don't have to go, go grumpy all the time and be grumpy. But yeah, it's, it's very different. Um, and like what you said, the expectations are a lot higher. It's, it, we drew, I think we drew two games in a row somewhere in there and it was like we lost like uh, they actually cancelled our after team dinner because we drew and that's just something that i haven't experienced before so you kind of know your standards like you have to win yeah definitely well at least you're in a winning team now you're on top of the ladder what more could you want hey yeah exactly now jack you're a proud indigenous man of the camilleroy mob and we have our nadoc week cup coming up soon being hosted by football new south wales can you explain to us the importance of initiatives such as this and what you hope to see come of it? I, th- I think it's vital to, to our game. 
that we keep having things like these tournaments and keep promoting them as much as we can because for one i think it's good education for people but two also for opportunities i think um tournaments like these and just nadoc week itself and other initiatives they just give people an opportunity to show who who they are um and aboriginal people we're very proud people so it's something that we're proud to say that we're aboriginal we're proud to say we're torres strait islander and we're we're proud to show it off and that's just a platform for us to to do that and then in turn to educate to educate people and show off our culture really um yeah absolutely yeah now about showing off culture and things like that i think we all can understand that representation is key especially for these younger generations of footballers coming through to see their culture to see all these things represented is pivotal now what do you is this what is the significance of having it in our a-league in our a-league women's it is quite um what's the word for it it is represented quite well however our a-league men's might be falling behind what's the significance of having this culture represented at this high professional level yeah, I, again, I think it's so vital. I think it, it gives, like, kids always look up to people and, and you look at the rugby league, like, Indigenous kids know that, oh, I can be like Latrell Mitchell, I can be like Greg Inglis. I, I just don't know if we have that as such. Like, I, 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 I didn't have that. You only really had Archie Thompson. and But even in the initiative of, like, NADOC week, you have the Indigenous rounds in other codes, like, maybe promoting that a bit more might help and having each team have an Indigenous jersey and um, having elders come out and speak and then keep putting on these camps and these tournaments and things like that to really push push it, I think that may help. But like you said, I know in the, in the W League, it's really promoted well and we have um, a few Indigenous women uh, representing our country and um, it's amazing to see, really. So when it relates to the NPL level, Jack, I mean, you're playing senior NPL, you're obviously, you know, getting your game streamed every week and, and the competition's got a bit of profile to it. But how important is it that it's reflected in, in youth NPL, in youth football, that the game is there as an option for Indigenous youth? Because, you know, you, you mentioned the NRL and what a great relationship it has with First Nations people. The AFL does an amazing job with Dreamtime and also heroing its champions of the game. What does football need to do to, to make sure that when we talk about a, an inclusive game for everyone, that Indigenous Australians don't see it as a foreign game, they also see it as a game for Australians? Yeah, I think, uh, like, it's a tough one. I think a lot comes down to education. I think just educating people on our history and the game's history. Like, football, everyone knows it has such a beautiful history and you look at the cultures that that it thrives in if you go to europe and things like that australia have such amazing cultures here and we're a multicultural country we should be able to promote that in that aspect but also i think we've got to start developing maybe some school programs getting indigenous coaches starting through that way way maybe but it is a tough thing um but i think just making it inclusive for all for everyone and stamping out anything that that shouldn't be there i think is key too but when it comes to kids you you just got to educate them and give them a platform to to grow and develop now furthermore going off that school programs idea you yourself are actually a high school teacher at oak hill college is that right yes yes it is and part of your role at school is you know working with um karen isaacs who herself is an aboriginal woman and together you guys um, teach indigenous students and help them learn about their culture how do you plan on you know say you could make your own little football program there, how do you plan on um, putting, you know, soccer programs into action? Is there a way in which you could amalgamate the two and bring football and Indigenous culture together and, you know, work on it simultaneously, I guess? I'm not – honestly, I'm not sure. I'm looking at that and I I do look – I think about that sometimes and I think maybe – there's more we can do with that aspect, but I think that's a, that's a big, big thing that needs to be tackled from above and then processed down. But on, in terms of smaller, like at our school, we, we, we promote anything with the kids that is going to give them an opportunity to grow as, as Indigenous people. So if whether it be education, whether it be sporting endeavors we want to give them the opportunities to do that so 
in in terms of uh, football itself, it would just be more that we need a platform to do that and then go from there. But yeah, I, I can't give you a perfect answer there because. If it did, I probably would have started it. <laughs> well, hopefully the NIDOC Cup can continue to grow, Jack, and we like the direction that it's going at the moment. Now, I wanted to talk to you about the NPL New South Wales Players of the Month for May. A couple of them are your teammates, but a couple of them you've played against as well this season. So as I announce them, I just want you to give me the first thing that comes to mind, whether it's an opponent or a teammate. And the first one you've only just played against recently. Ricardo Rizzo is Goalkeeper of the Month for Rockdale. What's it like going up against him as an opponent? Very tough. He he doesn't have the, the, the stature of those traditional goalkeepers, but he pulls off some saves left, right. And if you watch our game on the weekend, he was pulling some great saves off um, and really can move move around the goal. Now, Defender of the Month is a teammate of yours. Tell us uh, what sort of form uh, he's been there and done it for you know a decade or more. Temba Mawata Marlow, what's it like having him as a teammate? I've, I've never had the opportunity to play with Van Dyke before, but I think it's very much like him. <laughs> uh, he'll love you for that. Midfielder of the Month is Oscar Priestman from Sydney FC. Now, you, you've spent plenty of time in the midfield, whether you're playing as a wide midfielder or through the middle. What's it like when you're battling against Oscar Priestman from Sydney? Oh, just incredible work rate. You, if you switch off, he's going he's gonna to get around you. You just have to be on at all times around him. And Forward of the Month is another of your teammates, Jack Armson. Now, he has been a very consistent and high performer for the last few years now, and he's doing it again this campaign at the time of recording eight goals for the season. You've got seven, though, mate. You're not far behind him. So what's it like uh, for Jack and having him on your side rather than an opponent as it would have been in previous campaigns? It's so helpful. Like His accuracy on his goals, you, you give him half a chance in around that box, he's scoring. Um, so it's very good, and it's it's good competition to have. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's very good, very good on his accuracy and his finishing. Well, you haven't compared him to uh, to the equivalent of Van Dyke for Timber, though, but uh, still high <laughs> praise. So those are those are our NPL New South Wales Men's Players of the Month, Ricardo Rizzo from Rockdale, Timber Mawadamalo from Apia, Oscar Priestman from Sydney FC, and Jack Armson from Apia Leichhardt. Now we have a quick a quick 60 seconds Q&A, Jack. Are you ready to take part? I'm ready, yes. All right. Who is the most difficult player you've played against this season? Probably Walter Scott. Okay. All right. And who is Arpia's biggest threat in 2023? We knocked one off, so I'm going to say Marconi is our next one. Okay, good, good. Messi or Ronaldo? Messi, easy. Really? Easy. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll fight, fight for him to the death. Fight to the death. <laughs> <laughs> and your Prem team? Manchester United. It's sad to say, but Manchester United. Don't worry, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> your pregame pump-up song, perhaps? Um, probably Black Betty. Do, do you <laughs> do, do you get to choose? I'm assuming you don't get to choose in the rooms then. Who does choose? No. No, I when I first came to Arpia, I went on a preseason trip, and I put the music on, and the boys liked it. But then I, I kind of ran dry. So, no, it's not me. It's it's actually Temba. Temba actually takes it. And yeah. your upcoming uh, Arpia youth play to watch out for. Who's someone we've got to keep our eyes on? Uh, and Alex or Franco? Franco in the middle of the park. He's a little classy player. Okay, all right. And what about your favourite away ground in the MPL New South Wales? Where do you like playing? Oh, I, I love playing, obviously, Wynn Stadium, having that stadium there. But I tend to perform quite well at um, Belmore. Well, exciting season for Arpia so far and uh, interesting to get your answers, Jack. Obviously, your own form has been great. The team's form has been great. And uh, we do applaud you for the initiative uh, that you are involved with with the NIDOC Cup. And thank you for flying the flag for Indigenous uh, Heritage First Nations players in the round ball game as well, mate. So good luck for the rest of the season. Good luck to Arpia. And thanks for joining us on kickoff. Yeah, thanks, Jack. Thank you very much for having me. Jack Stewart from Arpia Leichhardt there. Stay with us on kickoff. We're going to have our leagues focus next and go to Women's League One. Our next guest is the captain of League One women's team, Hills United. It's a close division. It is a very competitive division, and we are thrilled to welcome Sarah Easthope to kick off. Sarah, welcome to the show. 
Thank you. How are you going? Very well. And uh, importantly, how are you going? Because your team at the moment, Hills United, at the time of recording, you're sitting third, but it's a very close league and a pretty hot title race at the moment. So how have you found the season to date? So far, it's obviously quite tough. Obviously, the top three, four teams always compete quite closely. It's always a tough battle, either, you know, it's a draw or like a 1-0 loss or, you know, we can get up on top. But currently, I'm happy with where we're sitting. We do need to improve on little parts of our gameplay, but we're pretty happy where we're sitting at the moment. Now, Sarah, Hills is an, you know, an ever-growing club and you're doing very well in both the men's and women's competitions. What are your aspirations for the team? Is it promotion perhaps for next season? Where do you see the club within the next year? So, um, obviously, last year being our inaugural year, um, obviously, we made history and that was our title the whole season. And unfortunately, we only, you know, lost off by one that one point. So, obviously, yeah, this year, our goal is to be promoted. Our men are obviously doing really well. And, you know, our, our president is, our goal is for both teams to uh, be promoted, women and female, uh, sorry, women and male. Now, Sarah, I do have to declare that uh, Henley, my co-host here, does social media for University of New South Wales, who are one of your main rivals for the <laughs> title this season. As far as the, the level of competition, you've got the Central Coast Mariners in there, St George, University of New South Wales. I mean, it really reflects well on the competition because you look at Gladesville going up into the top division uh, of NPL this season and they've looked right at home. And it does seem as though the depth of women's football uh, in senior teams in the state at the moment is at a bit of an all-time high. And it must reflect really well on the level of competition that your teammates and yourself get every week when you go and test yourselves out there. Uh, yeah, I agree. Obviously, it's never easy each week, week in, week out. We've always said that no game is an easy game. doesn't matter if we're versing first or reversing last in the competition. So definitely, it's very ever-evolving. And, you know, we're pretty uh, fortunate to be in the Sapphire Cup and um, being able to verse those teams like the MPL1 teams, which is our goal to be and, you know, see where we're at against those sort of teams. And obviously, yeah, it's good to see that, you know, Gladesville's gone up and done amazing in their uh, season in MPL at the moment. And yeah, that's something we, we look forward to in achieving in uh, future years. Now, Sarah, you have quite the list of achievements with your name. You know, you've had, was it last season, you were goalkeeper of the year with Dural Warriors, as well as representing, well, not only representing, but winning a national title in 2023 in Victoria. With this whole list of achievements, you also played for Sydney FC back in 2017. What are some aspects of playing from such a high level of football that you can bring back and inspire the girls you play with and what can you relay to them at Hills? Yeah, so obviously I've always been brought up to, you know, achieve my best and do what I can. And obviously playing with Sydney FC, I learned a lot of professionalism, the ways way people coach and whatnot. So obviously I've been captain of uh, Hills United at the moment, being able to take what I've learned from my uh, achievements in myself is, you know, to go and inspire them with, you know, quotes and just guidance and, you know, always being positive, even if there's a negative thing in a game or training session, is always to be positive um, towards the girls because they're not going to learn from negativity, unfortunately. It's all positivity. And yeah, obviously I, I'm, keep wanting to achieve what I've uh, achieved so far and keep doing better with what I yeah, absolutely. You talk about inspiring, you know, the next generation of footballers and these girls and, you know, we're just coming out of Female Football Week. Were there any particular initiatives that Hills participated in or created in order to celebrate and acknowledge Female Football Week? I do know that we had a few of uh, A-League women's m- members come and uh, participate in training sessions and help with coaching and stuff like that. I personally coach from the SAP level all the way to our reserve grade or under 20s. I coach all the goalkeepers, the female goalkeepers, and just to see them see what level they've come from from the start of the season to now is amazing and you know when I'm able to tell them that I uh, I did play for Sydney FC and I've had a lot of training um, by some of the best coaches in Australia they obviously look up to me and you know they're really focused in training sessions and it's really good to see that there's so many female goalkeepers that are actually evolving in, in football at the moment. How big's the club at the moment and, and what's that connection like from the senior team? Because you mentioned the SAP all the way through the age groups there, but what's that connection like as a sort of whole of club from the seniors through to your juniors? 
honestly, the culture at Hills is amazing. So obviously our, our women do go and support the men. The men come and support the women. We all go and support the youth as much as we can. Um, unfortunately, it does fall quite early, some of their, their, their sessions. And, you know, if we're there early, then um, we will watch them. But otherwise, we've got to prepare for our own games. However, we, you know, we have the power chair as well at Hills United, which we uh, go and support and they come and support us. And we're doing so well in power chair Um it's such a good achievement for the club. And yeah, our club culture is just amazing. We're, we're always ever supporting each other, especially from the SAP. So I'll try and get into some of the SAP trainings with um, those younger girls. But yeah, no, honestly, it looks really good from, from Hills United. How important is that connection with all abilities? Because as part of kickoff uh, this week, we were discussing that uh, we have coming up uh, on Sunday, the 18th of June, uh, All Abilities Nova Employment Football for All Gala Day. Now, Power Chair is different to All Abilities, but it's the same principle of uh, making the game as accessible as possible for people and just sharing the joy of football. So how important is that element of the club? Um, oh, it's, it's outstanding. Obviously, we want to be able to see anyone play football and involve the evolve the game as much as we can. And uh, I've noticed that in Australia, like it's it's just like we've got you know Socceroos, Footballroos, Pararoos, Matildas, and it's the fact that we're able to do them and you know the Pararoos, like all that sort of thing. It just it's amazing to see how far Australia's come and the involvement from everyone is uh, just you know pushing and driving and. I love to say, especially at Hills United, where like they're so supportive of the the power chair team. Now you also dabble in a bit of futsal, so we're here, and you star in the futsal Premier League um, when this football season concludes. Can you chat to us a bit about you know that crossover from going from you know the futsal game into full field football, you know, soccer? Can you have a bit of a chat to us about that? Yeah, so it's quite a different game for a goalkeeper um, from futsal to you know football. Obviously, the goal is smaller. Um, I, the ball's quite harder. Um, I don't wear gloves myself in futsal due to just, it's easy to grip. Um, how are your fingers? Are you, yeah, how often do you do, dislocate a finger? I've had a couple of dislocations. Um, I'm definitely definitely used to it by now. I don't have to go to the hospital to pop it back in. I just kind of do it myself and, you know, tape them up, which which is, uh, you know, a bit strenuous and, you know, like continuous injuries. But that's, that's how it is. And, you know, you just got to power through them. But, yeah, the transition from futsal to football is it's just different. Like your diving technique, the way you come out, you just use your legs a lot in futsal. So always having to change between the two is quite difficult. But, yeah, I do love futsal. I do get to touch the ball a lot more and a lot more involvement with it there. So, but yeah, either way, I love both By the sounds of it, they build you tough out there at Hills, <laughs> don't you yeah, reckon? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Now, um, just on, just on uh, the futsal to full field connection, one of the things we hear a lot in Australia is that more players need to play futsal, they need to bring that technical ability to the full field game. I guess you're at the coalface of it, you're seeing it firsthand. What more can be done to encourage more full field players into futsal, but also to use it more as a vehicle for you know, development of skills and development of the game? So I find futsal is obviously a lot faster than uh, football itself. So, you know, getting involved in futsal, you're pretty much non-stop moving when you're playing futsal. Where football, you kind of get that little here and there break of you can walk or jog a little bit here. But futsal is just full pace all the time. A lot of touches on the ball. So it's quick movement, quick ball movement, which does encourage you in the outside field to move that ball quickly. You don't have time to, you know, take three, four touches. It's It's got to be one, two, nice and quick move. And that's what I feel like uh, futsal does do to our players that are playing futsal. You can see the difference between the two. Now, you work at Wayland Public Schools, a school admis- administrations officer. You know, are there any programs in these public schools that have been introduced in order to get some of these kids into the NPL or into like football programs and to further their development? Um, so I've only recently just started up in schools myself uh, as an admin officer. However, I I have seen at Wayland, obviously uh, they do do soccer or football as we call it. However, it's it should be pushed and drived a little bit more. So I've actually offered myself to go and help training here and there mm-hmm. and help develop them. But I do believe there is yeah, some programs out there that, that schools can get involved in where, you know, academies will come out and coach and do drills and, you know, um, encourage those sort of players to get involved. And I know a lot of the coaches that do come out and uh, participate in uh, school football programs are people that have played at a high level. 
you know, I have, I believe there is a lot of encouragement from uh, those sort of coaches to get uh, players involved and, you know, develop their, pro- uh, their program and their children. Now, Sarah, last one on, on Hills. Um, you have had plenty of wins this year. As the captain, do you have a team song or a post-game ritual? Uh, you know, do you bang the walls? Do you do you have your own sort of post-game celebration, or do you like to keep it uh, nice and under keep a lid on it after you win? Uh, we're pretty loud as a as a team and as a club. <laughs> as you I'm should sure be. You, sure, you would have seen the boys do some celebrations and whatnot. We're much the same, and we pretty much have the same chant. So, however, before a game, we like to pump ourselves up, and we do do a bit of screaming prior to warming up, prior to going out to the field. Especially do, when we win, yeah, we, we love to bang the walls and sing that song nice and loud and proud. Unfortunately, at Hills, where we play at Bella Vista Public School, there is a rule of, you know, not hitting the walls. So we sort of find some instruments in the room and, you know, make it nice and loud for ourselves and open the doors up and make sure everyone can hear. Well, I, I know that uh, because we've got uh, one of your rivals sitting here in the pod, I personally, Sarah, will wish you good luck for the rest of the season. I will too. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sarah, Sarah Easthope, thanks for joining us on Kickoff. Good luck for the second half of the season. And when the whips are cracking, hopefully Hills United will be right there at the top of the table in League One. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, so Henley, that brings us to the end of kickoff for this month. I have to say, as my first episode here, I have had a ball. How great was talking to some of these, you know, role models in the industry. I am so excited to see where the future of football is going. I don't know about you, but I think we've got a pretty exciting season coming up for everyone involved. Yes, only just halfway done. So plenty of football to enjoy in our men's and women's leagues. We'll be back with kickoff in a month and look out for the newly launched Football New South Wales community podcast covering some of the great people, clubs and initiatives from around the football family. In episode one, I was joined by the general manager of the MacArthur Football Association, Salve Carmichiano, and we talked about the upcoming round two of the New South Wales Football Legacy Funds, and we also spoke to one of the referees from Canterbury Football Association. Great chats, real hands-on impact on improving uh, the game at a grassroots level. So make sure you check that out. Henley Warner, you yes, have it. been a marvellous co-host. <laughs> well, thanks good, for having me. Good luck to University of New South Wales, and uh, I'm sure we will speak to you again very soon. But we'll also see you on the NPL New South Wales social accounts yes, uh, keep as an the eye season out. goes on. Yeah, keep an eye out. Hopefully we've got some exciting content coming through. You know, we've got the rest of the season to go. It will be very, very exciting. So stay tuned. What coming up? <laughs> Looking forward to that. My name's Teo Pelizzeri. Thank you for joining us on the Football New South Wales podcast. This was Kickoff. And what a goal was! Stewart makes it 1-1. And it is a gorgeous little chip. This could well be the moment. Yeah. It is the moment. <laughs>